This is Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast, episode 108. Wheeler and Dunfield with you, still coming down from the high of the supporter shield being presented last weekend at BMO Field and looking forward to decision day, the final match day of this Major League Soccer regular season coming up this Sunday. More on all that. Terry Dunfield made a big decision this week. He shaved. I saw you earlier this week. You're like, look at me. I'm looking like Antonio Banderas. Why did you shave it off, Terry? You look like 12 years younger. I, I didn't want to be like the biker coach with the big beard and tattoos, taking the under 14. Hold on, what's wrong with that? You're looking, you're staring down a big, mean red beard. I don't know. I just don't think. I don't think the revenant taking training is really a good look. Okay. Is it because you said you were Antonio Banderas and I said more like Anthony bad facial hair? <laughs> That's brutal. <laughs> was it by chirp? <laughs> That's just as bad as today as it was yesterday, mate. The playoff beard. Like Greg Vandy started growing the playoff beard during the international break. That was a preemptive growth, beard growth by the head coach. That just shows how good the team is. They're already qualified for the playoffs. You can start growing your beard in. He could have started growing it in August. No, maybe he should have. There's nothing like the summer beard. It's the best time to grow one, you know? It's a little ironic. In, in the winter, then that's when you shave it off. It's opposites. Are you beard, following Beard's me? a strength for you. It's not one of my strengths. Well, it's, it's more out of laziness I look than more, anything else. I'll be honest, like Jack Sparrow. Yeah, I thought it was a good look for you, buddy. Thanks, man. You're kind of half pirate, half coach, half pirate, part analyst. My knee's not that bad. There's no need to go there. <laughs> I, I was referring to the parrot that's always chirping on your arm. Don't talk about yourself like yes. that. Yes. <laughs> good call. We'll also get into this week's high five. That's, that's coming up as well. Uh, let's start off with last weekend, shall we? Because I thought it was a cool day all around. Toronto FC, Montreal Impact at BMO Field. And the festivities started even before kickoff with the Supporters' Shield coming to town and being presented on the field. Larry Tannenbaum, uh, Tim Bezbachenko, um, Bill Manning, all in the field. But more importantly, the supporters, the heads of the various supporters' groups on the field these are people that have been supporting this club since day one front and center being part of the celebration i love that touch i love the way that it played it played out pre-match yeah i wasn't too sure how it was going to play out normally you see the captain of the club they're the first to lift the the shield or the trophy at the end of the season uh on the back of success and i, I thought it was really good i thought the the um Ops team did great with the fireworks. Um, and by letting the supporters lift it, it allowed, I thought, the players to focus on the game ahead. Right. Uh, shout out to the Red Patch Boys, Kings of the North, U Sector, and Ibriati, Original 109, and Tribal Rhythm Nation all on the field. And over the years, we both got to know a lot of people involved in these groups. And I keep on saying it, they are the pulse of the club. It's not the players, not the coaching staff. Like these are the players that put it all together. The reason why they exist, it's because of you, the supporters out there. One hundred percent. And and we spoke about it in our post game uh, phone in show afterwards on the radio. And they really built the culture uh, of the club. And, yes. and, and and it's not only about going and watching a soccer game. It's now about the ritual of going to the pub before the march over, being part of something. It, it really is something spectacular. And I think now. Now, TFC finally have the team, uh, not only in the front office, uh, but also on the pitch that matches unbelievable support. So it was a weird day as well, simply because of the weather. 
my gosh, like Hurricane Terry came rolling <laughs> through about two hours before kickoff. The rain was coming down sideways. It was absolute mayhem. Now, it all calmed down by kickoff, but that wind north to south at BMO Field, that was blowing. And any time the wind's blowing like that from in, in BMO Field, you think of the Nick LeBrocca goal years ago where he put the ball up as like a crush. <laughs> and the wind just whoosh, took it down into the back of the net. It was that kind of day at BMO. Yeah, it was nuts. Uh, not to sound like a fanny on the way to the game driving I had to pull over and just like let the weather die I was like I was in perfect storm it was crazy you're, and, you're, you're George Clooney <laughs> no I'd say I, the other guy uh, I don't know who that other guy yeah, is other all guy. Clooney all the time buddy okay no, I've, I've not quite got the poise just um, be Clooney okay well I don't have the beard now do I um, the guy what's the other guy called I have no idea that movie was from like 15 Marky years Mark. ago Marky Mark Mark Wahlberg was yeah, in the movie? Yeah, Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Settle down. That is my wife's inappropriate crush. Mark Wahlberg. That back explains in the day, a lot. She had the Calvin Klein picture of him in his oh, undies. That's why she looks at me like that. No, that's, that's why no, she I'm married sorry, me. I'll be honest. <laughs> I got the eight-pack going as well. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's more true. like a keg, but true. believe it or not. No, alone. no, no. Yeah, so I pulled over, and I'm, and I'm like, well, I was pulled over watching, uh, to, like, Two people fight over an Albrello that was never. <laughs> it was hilarious. I tried to video it and then I'm like, what am I doing? Um, but I thought this is going to be a big equalizer because sometimes in harsh weather conditions like that, it just takes away a little bit of the team who's got a little bit more quality on the pitch. And I, and I thought that would help Montreal, but come kickoff, it was completely well, different. Well, Montreal had lost seven of their last eight. You, team, you see the team sheet, you're like, get in. No Piatti, no Jackson ML. No uh, Donadell either, who always plays Evan well Bush. against Toronto FC. And with Maxime Crapeau in goal, I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm like, TFC can run away with this game. But it didn't play out that way. It was a difficult game for Toronto FC, Terry. And sometimes you see that coming back from the international break, a couple weeks off. And when you reintroduce a player like Javinko into the team, who hasn't played with the group for quite some time, there's some rust to be shaken off. And I think that's what we saw over the course of 90 minutes. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I think Montreal came in with and played with absolutely nothing to lose. Bielo, the coach, had been told that he won't be the head coach next year. They're going to find a position within the club for no, him to move into. They haven't made that official, but yeah, that's what's happening. Okay, that's, let's that's be clear. That's the word on the street. Yes. That's the word on the street. It's not official. Good point. Um, but sometimes when you're... You, you can go out and you play with a little bit of freedom. And I thought that's what Montreal did. I thought a couple of their players defensively cheated a little bit. Tabla, uh, Baloo Tabla, he didn't always track back. Um, and and there wasn't quite the same cohesiveness from TFC. And I think that has to do with Greg Vanny not having the full week to work with everybody in training. Michael and Josie had been away. Javinko's returning from injury. Playing games is a big difference from training. Uh, so TFC weren't quite at it, and, and Montreal played with a little bit of fluency and freedom. I know we're going to really focus in, in on what Toronto FC did and did not do over the course of 90 minutes, but Blair Jamali, he's the real deal for this Montreal Impact team. I thought he was the best player on the field, and he's been excellent since coming over and joining Montreal midseason. I think they have a player there. They need to rebuild the team around him, Terry, um, but... I think that he's the complete package for this Montreal team and a player that slots in well next to Piatti. 
he was definitely the, the best of a really bad bunch for him up top. I thought Romero didn't give a whole bunch. No. Tabla went missing. Man, As I said, at, he, at the moment, he just looks like he couldn't finish his breakfast. I've said it a few times. He's uh, in front of goal. He's a deer in the headlights a little bit. I like his movement and running ability to stretch teams in behind. But again, his, his timing's not quite right. He was offside, I think, three or four times in the first 10 minutes. So I felt for Jamali up top, he was on a little bit of an island up there. He didn't have his mate Piatti to play. But moving forward for next season, Montreal have to bring in a number nine. They've had Drogba in the past. They've had DeVaio, uh, pure goal scores at the moment. Yes, Piatti will get you 15 to 20 goals. Jamali will get you Can 10. Can it be Jackson Hamel? Jackson Hamel, potentially. I, I don't think he's there yet. And I, and I think it's a lot of pressure to throw him in at the deep end. I, I think Montreal need to go out. I know they've just, Sabuto supposedly made... Uh, Piatti, a top five player and the paid player in the league, um, so he spent some money on him. They need to go spend some money on a number nine. Right, difficult for a club like that. Nines don't come cheap. By the way, either. Jamali wasn't the man of the match. That was the posts in the north end of the stadium. We'll get into that. <laughs> that woodwork really put together a performance. Marky Delgado in the early stages smashes it off the crossbar in the north end. He had that sweet Terry and. We've seen that from time to time from Marky Delgado. He's got a shot on him. Doesn't always take it because he always likes to bring other players into the game typically. That's a great point. And, and I think he's growing in confidence. I think when he picks up that ball, possibly earlier in the season, definitely next year, he looks to find Javinko. He looks to find Altidore. He maybe looks to go out wide and, and just keep that ball moving, which he does do. And he's a big part of the way TFC play by moving that ball laterally so quickly. It's always one or two touch. But I think him even taking that shot on not yes he executes and wraps it off the bar catches it sweetly on the half volley but i think that just shows how confident he, confident he is right now i was told this week someone at the club and i was just chatting about marky delgado that he is as fit as they come like his standard of fitness uh puts him on par on a level of some of the players at the top clubs in the world like he could play football anywhere based upon his fitness he's he's olympic fitness i'm telling you he, he's ridiculous i get tired watching him play even um and another thing he offers you in midfield is that ability to break from the middle of the park run past your front two and javinko and altador which creates space for others that that sort of did you see that goal david's man city's first goal in the champions league where david silva runs yes. in depth yeah. cuts it back and it, i think sterling finishes off he's got that ability down the right hand side to run in depth and create space he finds those gaps in between the lines so well and that's exactly how toronto fc's only goal in the day played out found some space in behind bernadello who's still a very good defensive midfield player found some spot great ball through by michael bradley and delgado turned didn't see altador at first tried to play it wide deflected off the defender josie on the spot back of the net altador and Toronto FC off and flying despite kind of stumbling out of the gate but scoring that first goal was so crucial an accidental pass but oftentimes you make your own luck yeah perfectly described and that's the other thing Marky Delgado offers is that ability to play in between the lines we, we spoke about it before the game in our uh, pre-match talk about that the Montreal back four and two holding midfielders Bernadello and Piet weren't going to get a whole bunch of protection from their front four, and there could be space either side of their two holding midfielders. And I think Marky Delgado realized that not only on the shot off the crossbar, but on the goal. He just pulls off Bernadello's shoulder. Bernadello's caught ball watching. Great little slip pass from Bradley between the lines. And when I first saw it, I thought, yes, he was trying to go out wide to Hassler. But I think 
um, Marky Delgado's pass. He's actually trying to lay it into the path of Altidore. It takes a bit of a fortuitous bounce off the center half right into the path, path of Altidore. And as soon as it comes to Altidore, right now, anything in the box, you feel like it's going to be a goal. No kidding. What did you make of Toronto FC's play defensively out of the gate? Because they did give up some chances, some saving tackles. Alex Bono was there. There was the ball that was played long that the wind pushed it past Drew Moore. Back header just didn't connect. Mancosu in on the break. And Bono, I loved how he stayed big, made that stop. But it was a little bit... That was a big stop because that goes 1-1 one, one there, doesn't it? Yeah, so, I believe if so. If I'm right, yeah. So I, th- I think that one gets caught up in the wind. Moore tries to flick it back. Mancosu's on it. And one thing Bono does so well is, is starting positions positive always. But he comes off his line. And you see a lot of goalkeepers go down. I thought Mancosu was waiting and delaying for him to go down. Bono stays big. He's a huge present, presence and makes a big stop there. I thought TFC defensively wheels. Um they were okay. They were just giving they, it up a little bit cheaply out of the back. That's exactly where I was going to go with it. When, when you're a possession-based team, which TFC are, you make the pitch as big as possible. You'll see the two wing backs go extremely wide, and and you're a little bit vulnerable when you're in this shape because if you give the ball away, you're so so stretched. And I, I think part of it was due to uh, players not quite being on the same page, not at that same match tempo, and and some of the distances the balances weren't quite spot on so when tfc two sorry tfc did turn the ball over all of a sudden montreal were at the races and add to the fact that a couple players were cheating and staying high up the pitch all of a sudden tfc found themselves in two v2s three v3s at the back and i thought their last stitch defending uh was quite good and i think chris mavinga really helps at his his recovery pace and how athletic he is. That's something TFC didn't have last year. So it was a, it was a cagey first half. It wasn't picture perfect. The conditions were difficult. But then right at the stroke of halftime, it was the moment where Terry Dunfield lost his house. <laughs> we'll tell you how and why next. So here we go again. I'll put my house on him to score. Javinko off the outside of the post, and Terry Dunfield's homeless. Sebastian Vigjavinko twice going off the left hand, the, the post on the left side. How does that happen? Any Javinko, listeners out there? Wait, I'm going to have to get on Airbnb. Yes, as heard on TSN Radio, Terry Dunfield now living under the gardener. Gareth Wheeler <laughs> and Terry Dunfield with you. This is Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. You couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it either. Sebastian Javinko, right before the half, in time added on, actually, showed what you know how important he is to this team. Some fancy footwork, makes his own luck inside the area. He's taken down for a well-deserved penalty. Steps up, takes the first one, goes off the post, but some really good officiating by Ted Uncle, calling it back, allowing him to take another one as Maxim Kripo came off the line too early. Just going back to his little pivot on a dime yeah. that was incredible that's where you say yeah there's no more in- Javinko's over that injury I thought that that was sublime that's worth worth your match en- fee entrance into the stadium is that match fee entrance sure you, you, that's the, worth the your, price of a ticket that's worth how's that price of a ticket instead <laughs> of my broken Yorkshire it's like you just throw it out words and, yeah. th- and hoping that something sticks <laughs> yeah, that was it's called doing the price of admission, admission. There, there you go, go. Mission. Uh, great. You know what it reminded me of is, do you remember, was it last year he twisted up Tim Parker? Oh, yeah. And he, I like think a it was, pretzel. Yeah. 
<laughs> I think Tim Parker's legs were tangled for a week after that. <laughs> little nutmeg and then scores. It was, it was a little bit like that. Steps up, I thought the goalkeeper, Cropot, was wasn't even close. He was at the six-yard box before Javinko takes the first penalty. Easy one for Ted Uncle to call back. Yeah. Javinko gets, gets another shot at redemption here. So as I said, I, there's no way I'm thinking he's going to miss. I, I, I've, that's happened to me before. Never go to the other side. You always go back to the same side. I knew he was going to go there. And I've watched it a few times on replay. <laughs> now that I'm living under the gardener to see, <laughs> to see why. And it was a brilliant call in fairness and um, funny story yesterday I actually had coffee with him no, two days ago in Yorkville and I sat and bonded with Javinko for an hour it was kind of cool you guys. but um, what do you say I, I, I think I will go, we'll get no, to that one that. sec just, no, we didn't, I didn't bring up the penalty dude what What? you don't bring that up that's like out of bro code you don't be like, oh do you so remember what, that miss so what happened man <laughs> I, I couldn't you really blew that seven. <laughs> Could you imagine? What's wrong with you? <laughs> so anyway, uh, I watch it again, and I, I and you see, he kind of looks at the keeper, and then he has his head down, focused on the ball, and and I I think he just misses a spot. That's all. Yeah, hundred percent. Comes off the side of the we we're, were just shocked because he's only missed two penalties in his three years in the league. Then he misses two in in a minute. I know. Just uh, KJ, shout out to Christian Jack for for putting that out there. Uh, the stats man. Gives you money for his goal. Um, so we went into halftime at one nothing. Again, the post was the man of the match. And the Montreal Impact started well in the second half. Where you had Victor Cabrera going off both posts in the north end. That's what I'm saying. The north post played a massive role in the game where it somehow stayed out. The ball was behind Alex Bonu. Mancosu, hee-haw. Like, I don't know how he just... Uh, all he needs to do is, like, he doesn't need to swing at the ball. He just needs to walk it into the net. Instead, made a meal of it. Bono dives on it. Crisis averted. Stays 1-0. Uh, it comes that was to, the best scoring that, chance in the second half. Does that come half. from the second phase of a corner? It does. Yeah, yeah. It, it comes out to Cabrera at the edge. Great first touch to set himself. And... Uh, it's actually a really gets tons of power on his strike. A little bit of a knuckleballer into the wind hits one post, hits the other post, and Bono actually watching it again does really, really well. It's a good reaction save from Mancos. It kind of gets caught under his feet a little bit, but that more or less sums his season up. And another big save from Bono. When I look at the second half, the other notable happening for me was a change in tactics partway. And you and I were debating on the broadcast whether Eric Zavaleta came off hurt or this was intentional by Greg Vanny. I still stand by it. I think he wanted to try out a 4-4-2 just to kind of give a different look for the team to play a little bit that way to see what could come of it. I'm not sure that it worked all that well. You saw Betasher come to right back, which made sense if you're going to play a more of a quote-unquote flat four at the back rather than the 3-5-2. He came in as well. I thought it was comfortable for Toronto FC, but lacked that killer punch. And over the course of the remainder of the match, really, that was the big difference between that Toronto FC performance from what we've been seeing in recent weeks. It lacked the ruthlessness, right? Like, when Toronto FC has gone up a goal over the course of the summer months, you knew that the second, the third goal was going to come. It was all comfortable, and they kind of didn't kick on to find that second goal. You did, you, what what you was your take on that? Because they had the wind in their back as and, well. And you didn't feel like the goal was coming. No. I, I thought tactically... Uh, 
uh, it was quite smart by Greg because he realized one or two were a little bit tired. I thought I thought Eltador looked a little bit yep. leggy. Uh, Javinko's not played for a little bit. Michael Bradley has played a ton of football, traveled a lot as well. And I thought what he did was by going to a midfield diamond, it just clogs up the middle of the park a little bit. It gives the back four a little bit of protection, gives Michael Bradley a little bit more support. And I thought Greg Vanny at that point thought, you know what, we just need to get over the line. And uh, Montreal had a couple of half chances since he changed formation, but never really, really hurt TFC. TFC, in all fairness, didn't look like scoring, but I thought it was a professional last 20 minutes. I thought the substitutes that came on really helped. I thought Betashore was excellent at fullback, made a couple big tackles, never gave the ball away under pressure. Um, it'll be interesting to see come playoff time what happens well, with them. Well, the Betashore-Hasler one, it's the only kind of position, starting position, that's up for grabs right now. And if I'm a betting man, this, this is what I think is going to happen. Because TFC is going to play away, then they're going to play home over the course of potentially two rounds of playoffs. I think that Betasher will start away when you want to play a little bit more defensive. And you want that, you love that experience of Betasher. Then for the home matches where you might want to kick on and attack a little bit more, that would be games that, that Nicholas Hassler starts. So uh, this weekend in Atlanta, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if Steven Betasher checks back into the starting 11. Your thoughts? Uh... I can see it play out that way. I think a little bit it'll depend on the opposition. If you've got a really good winger um, that loves to get forward or an overlapping fullback, I think Betashore comes in. If you're playing against a fullback that's more stay-at-home, more traditional, I think Hassler plays, who can really get after him. Um, just going back to the substitute, I thought Jonathan Azorio came on. I thought he was excellent he again. To play well. Didn't give the ball yeah. away. Gave a nice energy to the midfield. Tactically was a stew. And, and Ben Washeru uh, comes on. Raheem Edwards looked as though he was going to come on. Last minute, Ben Washeru steps up. Uh, turned out of trouble. Kept the ball moving nicely a couple times. And he's going to be real important, not only on the pitch, but off the pitch. But for it, show, it shows you Vanny's approach because if Edwards comes on, that indicates, yeah, you think you can push on, you can find that second goal. And when you bring on Shea Rue, you're like, okay, let's just gain control of this match. A little bit. Let's, let's try to put a couple passes together. Yep. Uh, also narrows the team a little bit. If you put Raheem on, unless he was going to go up top for Josie Altador, he gives you a little bit more width and you're a little bit more open. The other, only other real talking boy coming to the match, because Juvenko missed those penalties, you don't take him off spot kick duty, do you? No. Like Vasquez can make them, Josie can make them, but that's Seba's job. Right? Like, let's 100%. just put an end to this. Yeah, if, if there's another penalty, a cru- clutch penalty, 100%, I think Seba steps up. Unless, for whatever reason, he doesn't fancy it. It's his position to turn down the penalty, shall I say. Uh, and, and then he can, give it, the he can time, delegate on the field. Cometh the man. He yep. will step up. He'll stick it away. And, uh, you know, he good chance he's the guy that's going to win the penalty, too. Yeah. Um, shout out to those who called in on our post-match phone-in, Terry. Because there was people that have been supporters over the course of the year, and you could tell how much that supporter shield in the house meant to them. Good scenes afterwards. It was kind of awkward. I want to just quickly just go ahead, go ahead. Going, yeah, going yeah. to our callers. I want to apologize. It's taken us so long to do this. I think a phone uh, post game phone should have been happening years ago. Yep. I think it's awesome. I love the. Fa- uh, it's just part of the culture. Getting in your car after the game, breaking it down. Any thoughts? Call it through and. Uh, th- 
this is something that happens over in Europe, and uh, hopefully we can keep this moving Great forward. Great calls as well. We will be doing a post-match phone-in after the Atlanta game on Sunday, by the way, on TSN 1050. Um, but yeah, you could, you could tell how much it meant to people. And it was kind of weird because it was a like celebration to what happened after the Red Bulls game, but the shield was there, which was cool where the players got to actually have it, take picture with their family, their friends. I love the shot of Betashur, Hernandez, and Moro together because it's the second supporter shield that those three have won together. It was really cool scenes on the field. And I come down after the post-match and everyone was kind of clearing out. But the shield was right there, and Jimmy Liston was like, you need to hold it. I'm like, I haven't done anything. I got forced to pick up the shield. That oh, was you heavy, got forced. I, that's, I, 35 pounds, I think it is, or 30, yeah, 35 Dude, pounds. Dude, I felt like William Wallace in Braveheart <laughs> listening to this massive shield. I'm like, come at me, son. Freedom! <laughs> it was awesome. Nice. It, it was a real Did cool Did you lift it over your head? I didn't. I don't right. think I could have. I'm not that strong. <laughs> yeah, you could. Like I said, it was hair. You know, it was you know, heavy. You know what my thought on the shield was this this week, past weekend was, and I love it, and it sums up the mentality of the group is, I think like kind of the players had kind of moved on. Yeah, it was a special moment. Yes, it was a nice photo. Yes. But they're on to bigger, bigger things now. They're on to the next goal, and I think they're they're already in the zone of trying to get their head around winning the MLS Cup and and what they need to do to do that. Good stuff. Uh, your man in the match, quickly. I'm, I'm going to give mine to Bono because he made those big saves on Mancasu. I didn't think his distribution was great. However, I'm going to chalk that down to the conditions. But Bono made the saves. The team needed a clean sheet because in their previous three games, they'd conceded nine goals. And I just thought that the goalkeeper made the saves when he had to and put TFC in position to come away with a win. I just don't think it was a game where there was really a standout Toronto FC performance on the field. No, but we saw a grittiness and a team that that's professional and knows how to get over the line. Yep. Uh, I thought Altidore took his goal You're going to have well. to win that way, Terry. And, uh, yeah, I'll agree with you. I think I'll give it to Bono as well. Uh, I thought his distribution could have been a little bit better if I'm yes. being a bit harsh. I know it's tough in those windy conditions, but uh, you know what I loved? I think he shanked one out of play around 70 minutes, and then he's straight off his line two minutes later claiming a cross. Yeah. He just doesn't Confident let it bother him. Confident. And, and it relieves so much pressure off the team defensively. It was, also the, it was also the third straight game where TFC was outshot in a game as well. So we'll get into that a little bit more as we look ahead to this weekend. A reminder... Download the Toronto FC app, torontofc.ca slash mobile. It's the only way to get pre-sale access to playoff tickets, weekly playoff contests, signed jerseys. You, there's a chance to win one of five pairs of Eastern Conference semifinal playoff tickets. And there'll be more prizes as we advance through the playoffs. And as always, your new standing schedules. You get to see my ugly mug. Carolyn Shred, probably you want to see way more than this bearded 100%. beast right here. Whatever. Just download the app, torontofc.ca slash mobile. We'll look at the you decision. Got, don't put yourself there. You've got a market, man. I have don't a market? Put, what do you mean? You're a stud. Don't put yourself down. From now on, when I come out, I need a theme song like, I'm too sexy for the shirt. <laughs> Whatever like, happened to right said like, Fred? Uh, <laughs> Is he still kicking around? I watched Full Monty the other day. That Did was you? my first thought. Sorry, dude. That <laughs> could be a future career for both you and I. Uh, we'll look at to MLS Decision Day next right here on Come On You Reds. This is Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. Gareth Wheeler, Terry Dunfield. I forgot to tell you where to get at us. At Wheeler TSN, at Terry underscore Dunfield. Good news. The man, the myth, the legend, Clayton Hansler's 
in the room with us today. Legend. This is. The, I feel like there's a lot more pressure on us today. He does let us know that right said Fred is still alive. So good on you, Fred. Keep on rocking in the free world. No? I was worried for a while. I haven't heard from them. These one-hit wonders. They come, they go. You wonder, and you're left with a whole lot of random memories. Um, it's decision day in MLS. The only decision for Greg Vanny is what kind of team he wants to play this weekend. They are still chasing history. Well, they're already in the history books. They've equaled the Los Angeles Galaxy as most points ever accrued in an MLS season with 68. But they can make that and they can set that mark one to themselves with either a draw or a win in Atlanta. 72,000 tickets sold this weekend. I did a podcast down in Atlanta, the Dirty South podcast, and they call it the Benz. The Mercedes-Benz Stadium, they just called the Benz. I like that. That's decent to me. Radiohead albums, great album too. Um, So it's a big weekend across MLS. The six playoff spots are set in the Eastern Conference, but a whole lot lot of jockeying for spots. In the Western Conference, jockeying for spots and one playoff spot up for grabs. Let's start here, Terry. I think this game is big for Toronto FC, not only pursuing history, but going into the into the postseason on a high. The team, admittedly, to a man, people I've talked to this week, say that we weren't that sharp. We need to play better this weekend in Atlanta. I think it makes a whole lot of sense for Vanny to play a very strong starting 11 to try to hit the ground running come playoff time. Your thoughts on that? I flip-flop, to be honest. I uh, last Saturday uh, after the game, I was sort Sunday, of yeah. uh, last Sunday. Sorry, I was under the. Imp- I, I had the. I, I would have rested one or two. I would have protected a couple of players. I also wouldn't have shown my hand uh, so close to the playoffs. And uh, I think now having just thought about it a little bit how the Montreal game went, where one or two weren't quite firing on all cylinders. Also collectively, um, I, I think especially attacking and playing out of the back. The team can be just a little bit sharper. I don't think it's anything Coach Greg Vanny's worried by. Um, I, I play my best team. Uh, unless one or two are, are struggling just a little bit with fatigue, uh, I'm more or less playing my strongest team. I think the the atmosphere of playing in front of 72,000 people will have a playoff feel to it. And um, I, I think that this is a very good warm-up game, shall yes. I say, for the playoffs. And, and I, I, I'd play my best It's team. a great rehearsal because rehearsal, that's what I was looking for, not warm-up. Atlanta's going to come at you. Like, it's going to be a much different game than it was last weekend. And if Greg Vanny does a couple changes, I think the reason will be a player's maybe just not feeling 100% whether they're under the weather, carrying a knock. I just don't the, think the he'll only make one changes for the see, sake of I, doing I, I it. I think it would be Josie. I think that's an interesting one. It looked like he, at the end of the game, was was a little bit leggy and possibly carrying something. If Greg had a fourth sub, I think Tosin Ricketts would have come in for him for the last 10 minutes. So sure. I think other than him, Tosin Ricketts or Altador, possibly Betashore coming in for... Um, Hassler, and, and but if the, if there's more a, if, or less, you pl- I think you play your best team. I think you play your system. I know some players have been banged up, like um, Zavaleta over the course of the year. Like he has gone through an incredible, like so much wear and tear that if a player just says, "Coach, you know what? Maybe it's better that I rest this weekend." 
then I think that he goes there. I, we know the starting 11 heading into the playoffs. But as Greg Manny told me, as I asked him in the, in the scrum, just about what kind of team you're going to field this week. And he's like, it's not as if I'm going to just name a bunch of losers to the squad. Like, this team is the deepest team in MLS. So if you replace a player, you're replacing him with a player of quality. So there's not going to be that much dip in terms of play if he ends up resting a player. And I'll say this, if Atlanta goes up early, maybe he changes his mindset a little bit and maybe makes makes a couple changes in-game that he wouldn't have done so otherwise. So I think all bets are off, but rest assured, it's going to be a a strong starting 11 this weekend. Yeah, hundred percent, and I, and I think the players will be itching to go play at the Ben Stadium and the Benz. I'm looking forward to watching Joseph Martinez. I think he's a class act. Up Eighteen top. goals in nineteen games. Yes, his goals per game is ridiculous. Uh, Elmiron apparently he's back in training now. Whether he starts or plays a uh, role off of the bench, he's quality. He's a straw that that stirs the drink for that Atlanta team. Like I love Gressel sitting. Um, I think defensively they have questions. Garza's is out. Uh, Perez is suspended this weekend, but it's Almiron. And if I'm Tata Martino, I don't want a player returning to a starting 11 in the playoffs, especially if you you have to play that knockout game. If he's fit enough to play, he's got to be fit enough to start. And as of right now, it's a question mark. Yeah, I'd protect him maybe a little bit. You wimp. But I'm hearing I'm hearing rumors though of ridiculous offers have come in for this play. I'm talking not like five six. I'm talking like twenty thirty million wow. from abroad. He's twenty three, and he's quality. Like, and it just shows where the MLS is right now. Yeah, where they're turning bids down like that. I, I who's mean, putting to, who's putting that bid together, Terry? I can't. I don't. I'm not going to say. But I'm sa- telling you, when when bids are coming in for players like that, and MLS have enough clout now where they can say. Uh, you know what? I'm okay. I'm going to keep hold of the player. What a great bit of business to bring him in. Uh, he's been been a class act since coming to the league. Um, and and I needs th- one I, goal I, to hit double thing, digits you know, as well. The only thing I'm gutted about is that Atlanta are, t- are not in separate conferences because I think that these are the two best teams in the league. I would love to see that as the MLS Cup final. I think they'll meet in the playoffs at some point. Uh, and I'm really excited for this. And and, and I think you kind of get. A free test drive, shall I say, of a very big playoff yeah, game coming up. If you're up. Toronto FC and you want to be assured that you can potentially face them in the Eastern Conference Final or not sooner, you almost want Atlanta to beat you this weekend. That's the ironic thing about it all. And you want New York you City. Stole my info. That's where I was going. New York City FC to draw or lose to Columbus and Chicago to draw or lose to the Houston Dynamo. Exactly. You just said what I was going to say. So were you cheering for Atlanta this weekend? No, but... (laughs) (laughs) You want Atlanta to finish in the top two, don't you? So you can play them in the Eastern. We're going to get to this in our our high five about the biggest threat. I don't think they're the biggest threat in the Eastern Conference. And I'll tell you who that is in a few moments' time. Dude, what's wrong? Have you been drinking this morning? No, I'm I'm being dead serious. Are you serious? We'll we'll get get into that. Are you teasing this out or are you being dead serious? I'm being dead serious. This is the other shout here. From far and wide, everyone's saying Atlanta is the story of the 2017 MLS season. Hold your horses here. Hold your bends because they're the story (laughs) off the field. Like 72,000 is incredible. 
We could get 72,000 if people feel it was that big if, with Toronto FC playing like this. TFC is the story of the season because they put together an historic season on the field. No other team in MLS history has been this deep, this good. They can go too deep at every position, Terry. That doesn't happen in MLS. And they can do this for the next three or four years. You look at the yes. ages of these players. It's, it's there's something special being built right here and and it's already been an incredible season and there's still a lot of work but if, if TFC can go on and win the MLS Cup craziness what else are you looking out for on decision day not I think Toronto FC can go to Atlanta pick up a point or three I have no problem making that prediction because Toronto FC for me is the better team it's going to be a good test playing a different team I'm, I'm, different way I'm looking You're going to have to for, be a little bit more patient. Can't let Atlanta United get in behind the back line. I'm looking for that collective performance from TFC. I think that's the biggest thing is I think individually the team's fine. I think I, I think just that collectiveness, whether it's pressing Atlanta high, they love to play out of the back, whether Greg can get the team to send them down a couple blind alleys, turn the ball over and being sharp in transition, whether TFC can withstand uh, – Atlanta on the counter by playing a little bit of a deeper block. Uh, so, so, so those sort of more of the performance. I'm not. I'm not overly worried about the result. But I think going into the playoffs, a little bit of momentum is important. And I think, as you touched on earlier, the the result was right against Montreal, but the performance wasn't quite there. Yeah, Brad Guzan, by the way, 482 minute shutout streak. Last five games he's played, Atlanta United has not conceded a goal. Just bringing that up. So. It's crazy. I'm not convinced by him, if I'm honest. Okay. I've watched him play a ton in England. Mini-me? <laughs> yeah, Middlesbrough. <laughs> That's a good show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Villa, I, I think he's okay, but... 482 minutes without conceding. <laughs> it's, it's an incredible in front stretch. Okay. Who have they played? Uh, I don't know. Well, they, there was nil-nil against the Red Bulls five. last week. Yeah. Then the week before, they played on the international break, and he was unavailable, and Minnesota got them at the end. 3-2 was the final. Right. So, so uh, credit to Minnesota, they plugged away. I know they're not going to be playoff yeah. bound, but uh, in recent weeks they beat Montreal, they beat Philly. U14s could beat Montreal, New England, New England's New England at Galaxy at, at the Benz, Galaxy, New England at New England. Real okay, that's so. a good result. Yeah, so there you go. My U14s could be LA. Anyways, uh, anything else you're looking out for quickly on decision day? No, just that I'm. Uh, We'll, we'll get into our kind of yeah the Eastern who we're Conference. worried about in the Eastern Conference. In the West, if the San Jose Earthquakes make the playoffs, it just shows you what a joke of a conference that is. All the like, <laughs> and they're in control of their own destiny. I can't. But this, I'll tell you what: the biggest failure in MLS this season would be if FC Dallas doesn't make the playoffs because on paper that team is a top three, four team in MLS for me. Yeah, and uh, the fact that they've won one game out of their last eight, what? That team is far too good to be this poor. Yeah. And, uh, and the Whitecaps have never, a chance I've never to win the West. Seen, I've never the Whitecaps are bang in, average in history, there, former Whitecaps player, Terry. I've never, <laughs> I've never seen Dallas have such a bad summer. They're normally so good in the summer. Uh, they've uh, flip-flopping systems right now, low on confidence. I think defensively they've always been a bit suspect, but they're so good on the ball so intricate and they really attack at pace they've kind of lost that and I think when you're a team that's really good going forward and, and you start to struggle a little bit all your deficiencies are sort of highlighted and I think Dallas aren't great at the back the Whitecaps the reason why they're at the top is I think 
Carl Robinson's getting the best conference. out of his team. Crappy conference, I'll give you that. But the Whitecaps have now found a system, and and it's it's not the easiest on the eye. They sit extremely deep with two blocks of four, and they just break quickly, and they hope that Reyna and Montero will get you something. MLS Decision Day. You can watch it wall-to-wall on TSN this Sunday. We'll have the radio broadcast Atlanta United pre-match at 3.30 p.m. on TSN 10.50. Seattle or Portland, though, I think come out of the West. I think think Seattle's the top team. We'll save that for next week's podcast because we still have high five (laughs) and a prize to be given away that's coming up next. Final segment, come on you Reds, Wheeler and Dunfield at Wheeler TSN at Terry underscore Dunfield. This is the part of the program where we ask you to participate in our segment. It's hot. High five. It's our top five list of whatever. We still haven't got an audio cue. Renato, we need to get on this. We need an audio cue for high five. Please, for my sanity. Please keep Borat Don't let him keep saying that. Yes. Let Sasha Baron Cohen do it. If TFC win MLS Cup, will you do the final podcast in a mankini sure done yeah done like a we'll do a video podcast yeah we'll do a video podcast zero people want to see that <laughs> i do zero <laughs> except for you i'll buy it in mind uh we have a winner winner of a sign ball any five players as we keep the five theme going from last week's podcast terry we asked the top five most improved players terry dunfield got to choose the selection that most jived with his congratulations goes out to tim drodge you win terry dunfield will be in contact with you and you get to pick whatever five players you want to sign that ball he's picked uh bono delgado edward zavaleta and azorio so there I you go. I believe he didn't pick you, Big Cheese. What? We could have picked anybody in the club. To sign the ball? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Or No, those were his five most improved. I don't know if that's who he wants to sign the ball. So we'll look into that. Well, I've got it. I've got you his top five. You have a conversation five. with... We don't have time for this. We no, he's got Seba, Vasquez, Bradley, Mavinga, and Eltador. There you go. Okay, that's who he wants on the ball. Those were his top five most improved. Very creative. Keep up, Terry. Keep up. You just wanted Terry Dunfield to sign the ball, Clayton Hansler, Renata, me. Like, that's what you wanted to see. That's a good drinking crew. Yes, yes. If you want a good time, then you hang out with us. This week's top five, other than Toronto FC, the top five best teams in the Eastern Conference. And we're going playoff-wise, because five other teams have made the playoffs. I always do this. Sorry. Worst (laughs) to first. We were talking about this last night. I said I got this. I won't ask questions, but... Worst to first for TFC's biggest threat or best teams? As in, who is the worst team to who is the best team in Europe? Stacking opinion? up against you TFC? You are ranking the five other playoff okay. teams, five to one, five being the worst and one being the best in the Eastern Conference. Terry, are, are you okay with that? I think it's <laughs> Other than you talking down to me, I'm fine. I'm going to kick this off. My fifth best, so the worst Eastern Conference playoff team is... New York City FC, who actually is second place right now. Defensively, you need to be a good team come playoff time. Yes, with Jack Harrison, David Villa. I like the team. I like their additions this year, but they're still a nightmare defensively. You need to have reliable defensive structure and players come playoff time. I don't like New uh, New York City FC's chances. They're at number five for me. Snap. Same thing. Wow, really? Yeah, first time we've ever I thought that was a something. hero pick. No, it's not as obvious. Okay. Um, same reasons that you just said. I'll also add in, I think, 
playing at Yankee Stadium doesn't suit them. You can press the life out of them. They're a little bit one-dimensional. They love to play out of the back. And I think come playoff time, when it's a little bit nervy, still trying to play total football isn't possibly the way to go. I think you need to be a little bit more conservative. Patrick Vieira's got a philosophy. They stick to it. All credit to him for playing that way. But I don't think that's how you win an MLS Cup. Ooh, at number four, I'm going the other New York team, the New York Red Bulls. Snap you again. Did. Dude, are you looking at my paper? I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I, listen, I think this is a team on the rise. I love the way that Jesse Marsh relentlessly presses. I think that's dangerous for whoever's going to come out with the third seed in the Eastern Conference because in a one-off game, I think that they can pose a threat just based upon that the way that they play. But defensively, Terry, I'll go back to it. They don't quite have enough. They're a nightmare playing out of the back. I love Tyler Adams in the midfield. I love their, some of their attacking play. Royer's a good player. Bradley Wright Phillips, Kleschen. I like what they have going forward. Not enough defensively as well. So for a very similar reason, they come in at number four. Yeah, I've got them as four as well. I like Adams. He's been playing out wide. I, I think he is going to be in the next couple of years, one of the best young players yes, in MLS. Agreed. I think you'll see him more as an eight as he develops. Uh, New York have flip-flopped between a back three, a back four. Uh, defensively, I don't think they're quite right. I don't think they have the balance. I think if you can beat that high press, you can really get at their back three. I like Felipe in midfield. I think they've got lots going forward. Cleston uh, is one of the best number 10s in the league. Uh, and, of course, Bradley Phillips, you've got goals in him. But I think that this team um, has holes in it. And I think, in, again, in the playoffs, you can't go in uh, with, with holes in your team. Uh, number three, the Chicago Fire. Snap again. There you go. Um, they're actually in a decent run of form. Nikolic's back scoring goal scored a hat trick last week. I think they're limited in some ways. And I thought their early season form... It wasn't sustainable, but with like veteran players in there like Dax McCarty and some of the, you know that they're going to be a difficult out for any team. I think this year has been a massive step in the right direction from worst to one of the best in the league. But I think winning a playoff round is just about as far as that they can go. Uh, I think they're dangerous. I think their experience and savviness uh, will be important in the playoffs. I think that they've made a huge step. I agree with that. I think Schweinsteiger... Not sure he'll be as good next year. I think if they're going to win the MLS Cup, they need to win it, just it this looks year. Heavy, right? um, what I don't like about their system and how they play is they're two, they're fullbacks and wide players. They play extremely wide. They play on the same line. Uh, Chicago love to play laterally. The problem with that is if they do turn the ball over, their fullbacks are extremely wide and their two center halves don't get a lot of protection. But I've got them as three. David Akam, always a threat. And I think that their success or whatever they have, their two fullbacks and Polster and Vincent have to be very yeah, good for Akam's this team. Yeah, a strange one. I, I don't think he suits that system. I, I think he'd be better uh, All he does on is produce. But he does produce, uh, but... I think you don't know exactly what you're going to get from him. When, he, when he's on, he's on. When he's got the beating of a fullback, he's unplayable. But there are times where he goes missing and he doesn't track back and defend. So I think he can be taken the other way. This is where we're going to veer off the tracks. I love him, though. Because, I think it can. Yeah, I'd love to see I, him in Toronto. I'm, well, just that pace. No, well, we have one. We have, we have a common, Toss and Ricketts, a player that can get behind the back line and get up and wreak havoc. It's just, it's just about fit. And I think that Toronto FC... Yeah, Akam would be a nice player, but TFC doesn't Again, need I still think he needs to play in a front three. This is where we veer off the tracks. We don't have much time for this, but number two, Atlanta. Number one, the Columbus Crew. I guess you have them flip-flopped. Yep. 
I've got uh, Atlanta one, Columbus two. Okay, Columbus number two. Uh, they scare I think me the dang- most. I think they're dangerous. I like Kamara up top. Uh, he's quick in transition. Higuain in behind, pulling the strings. I think they've got a nice balance to their side. Very good at keeping the ball. Nice tempo they play with. Will Trapp's an important player for him. To stop the crew, you need to stop Trap. Not just Higuain. I think him playing out of the back a little bit like Michael Bradley is important to Columbus. They've got good fullbacks that love to get forward and a nice shape to them. Atlanta, number one. Uh, pace, young, exciting team. The Ben Stadium. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think the fact that the playoffs are new to them brings a little bit of excitement. And I think this Atlanta team plays with no fear. They're very young, and, and that's what you get with a young side. And, this, and that makes you dangerous. I'll make this quick on Columbus. They're a team that's undefeated in their last nine. They've hit form at the right time of the year. Six wins and three losses. They're a team that's going to be motivated by all the nonsense that's going off Playing off, for their future. The Seriously, good yeah, point. Yeah, ex- Exactly. And Higuain is a menace. He causes Toronto FC all kinds of problems. Columbus beat Toronto in Columbus once. TFC stole another game, absolutely stole another game with the two leg goals by Toss and Ricketts. Set them up. Edwards came on. Columbus plays TFC well. That 5 nothing game here at BMO Field was an anomaly. Throw that out the window because Higuain, the way that he freelances in around those attacking positions with strong, fast players like Miram and Kamara around him, it's a difficult matchup for Toronto FC. That's the team I do not want to face. Those games, those nights in Columbus, there's just something weird about them, Terry. I don't like it. I don't trust it. I do not want to face the Columbus crew. Right. Fair enough. Miram's trouble. He's yeah. good, isn't he? Yeah. In breaking from midfield, his pace. I do like Columbus, though, because you get TFC fans there. I love that, yeah. having a way support. Good stuff, buddy. That was this week's High Five. Hit us up on Twitter, at WheelerTSN, at Terry underscore Dunfield. Dunfield might have a scarf for this week's winner. We will have a signed scarf by one player. Tim D- Drudge. Drudge. Yeah. Come to Kia Training Ground next week. Your ball will be waiting at reception. Okay. There you go. Uh, good pod this week, buddy. You too, brother. We'll be back to do it next week. Except for your week. high five shouts are so bad. It's amazing. We need high to get that. five. We will get back together next week. We'll recap the season that was and start looking ahead to possible and potential playoff matchups. Can't wait for, I can't weekend, wait Terry. for this Atlanta game. It's going to be awesome. Enjoy it this weekend, Terry. You too. Thanks to Clinton Hansler for checking in. Renata, quality stuff as per usual. And on behalf of Terry Dunfield, I am Wheels. This is Bean. Come on, you Reds.